You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to a historic episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. This is episode number 200. Yes, indeed. And I want to begin this one with a question for you. What do these three things have in common? A sewing machine, a car, and a hamburger. Does it sound like one of my trick questions? It's not. It's real. And they have one thing in common. It's one word that ties them all together. Can anybody guess what that word is? The word is franchise. That's right. There were three modern franchise leaders who helped to bring the current business model of the franchise to the success that it is today. The first one was Mr. Isaac Singer, the man responsible for the sewing machine. He was a brilliant entrepreneur. He was actually the first one to create um, the model that became the foundation for the modern franchise. In the history of franchising, it goes way back even to the Middle Ages. But the modern franchise that you and I know today that, you know, um, represents businesses like McDonald's, like Kentucky Fried Chicken, etc. The foundation was created by Mr. Isaac Singer. He wanted to expand his business and he came up with the imaginative model of finding business people who were not in the sewing machine business, but were interested in earning more money. He found a distribution network for himself, would approach these business people and say to them, I will license you, if you wish, to sell these sewing machines. You will make money and I will make money. And Many, many people said yes because they saw the need for it in the marketplace, the demand, the growing popularity, and they jumped on it, and it worked out for Singer and for them. He did another smart thing. He included in his licensing agreement that they, the distributors, also had to teach the people who bought the machines how to use them. So everybody won. It was a brilliant model. It was one that would be copied and developed, improved throughout the decades. 
The car? Henry Ford. He was the man who started the dealership idea to sell more Ford cars. And that dealership model for Ford, it was a network of dealers across the United States that sold those cars. That was a franchise. And of course, the hamburger, Mr. Ray Kroc, who brilliantly saw that selling hamburgers out of one location, you know, where people lined up around the block to buy them, wasn't the most profitable model. And so he knew that it wasn't the hamburger that was making money. It was the system. He bought the rights. He put the system in place. The rest is history. We have the franchise model. Why am I telling you this? Because when you understand what that model represents and how it relates to the narratives that we tell ourselves, you might be blown away. You see, you and I all accept that franchises are great business models. I mean, if they weren't, why would someone ante up more than $2 million to open a McDonald's franchise and realize that probably for the first five years or so, they're going to be operating in the red. That's right, paying off the debt of their investment. But they know that ultimately, if they stay in the game, it's going to be worth it because they're going to make a lot of money. We don't question that. But do you know that in the 1940s, I think around 1949, the franchise model was looked on with great suspicion. The FTC was looking at it. The U.S. government was looking at it. And there were some really tense Supreme Court cases around the idea of whether or not franchises were breaking antitrust laws. The whole question of whether or not this model is actually a legal model. Is it something that we should allow people to do? Or is it some kind of scheme? Is it some shady profitable scheme that really hurts people? That was a serious question. I believe that there was a vote to either make them legal or illegal in the U.S. government, and that it was a really close call, that I think it was by one or two votes that the franchise was deemed a legal enterprise. It could have gone the other way, and then franchises wouldn't even exist. Once again, think about the fact that you probably don't question the validity of a franchise. You may not want to have one. That's fine. I certainly don't want to have one. But you don't question its validity as a solid, reputable, upstanding, and profitable business model, a way of making money. But remember, 
there was a time when you might have seriously questioned that. So let's jump to today. I believe in network marketing. I am a network marketer. I know many, many people whose lives have been so powerfully and positively transformed because of the network marketing model that is based on earning residual income as opposed to linear income. Residual income is exponential income. What does all that mean? Maybe most of you might know, but maybe some of you are not 100% sure. Sometimes when we talk about residual income, people immediately think, well, that's what, you know, movie stars earn. And that's what songwriters earn. That's true. That's residual income. But you don't have to be a celebrity, a creative genius, a star to earn great residual income. You can be an ordinary person who creates an extraordinary life and an extraordinary income. When you get paid in a linear fashion, you're basically following the model of trading your time for dollars. You work a certain number of hours and you get paid a certain amount of money. There are probably uh, pay raises built into the system. They're usually very, very modest. And in most cases, in fact, I would say all of them, the linear income model, that story about how to earn money, can give you a good to a comfortable life, a safe life, but not one that creates wealth, great wealth, and a great lifestyle. Yes, if you're frugal and you're wise with your money, you can take some of the money that you earn in a linear fashion, invest it wisely and become wealthy, but then you made your wealth through the investment, not through what you were paid. Exponential income is so powerful. All you got to do to really appreciate its power is to look at how compound interest works. I may have mentioned this before. It's certainly worth mentioning again. It is a dramatic and real example. I have asked people, I'm going to give you, if I gave you two choices today, and the first one was to give you $1 million in the form of a cashier's check that you could immediately bring to your bank. It's good. The money's there. And it's yours. You don't have to pay it back. Or I'm only going to give you one penny today. And every day for the next 30 days, I'm going to double the amount of money that I gave you on the day before. So on day two, I would give you two pennies. And on day three, I would give you four pennies right up until day 30. Which choice would you make? I think that that's just by the way I set that up, that people would immediately think, well, it's got to be the penny. And yet I still have people saying, well, I'll take the million dollars. It feels safe. It feels certain. The other one is uncertain. I get it. And if you look it up online, 
it's really interesting to see that maybe around day 14, day 15, the amount of money that you've gained is modest. It's not life-changing. But then there's a tipping point. There's a day, I don't have the table in front of me, so I won't guess which one it is. You can look it up. One day when the doubling factor hits, the growth is astronomical and it is life-changing. And by day 30, you would have more than $5 million. This is not playing with numbers. You can do the numbers. You do the math yourself. Do it on a calculator. Do it on an abacus. Do it any way you want. You'll have more than $5 million by following that exponential growth of one penny for 30 days. So this model is real. It's legitimate. It works. And yet, so many people, even perhaps you, when you hear the words network marketing, you're very cautious, you're defensive, you're skeptical. You have a story in your head. And... Very often that story leads people to say, well, no, 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 I won't touch that because it's a pyramid scheme. I love to hear that because I smile and I ask. I first say that that's very interesting. What do you mean by pyramid scheme? And always 100% when they explain what they think it means, they're wrong because You couldn't really understand residual and exponential income fully and not want to participate in it and not trust the system that gives it to you. So they will give me answers that they've heard and they've heard repeated many, many times, which is, by the way, how many, many stories spread. But those stories are wrong. And so I'm bringing this up because we really need to question a lot of the things that we just take for granted as truth because they feel, because most people are repeating them. And usually we believe the stories that are accepted in the mainstream as opposed to those that are you know, not being written about every day in magazines and put on the front pages of newspapers. I mean, you don't read newspaper articles about, you know, this economist recommends that you become a network marketer to become incredibly wealthy. I mean, there are articles about that, even in Forbes magazine, but they're not the majority. They're not headline news. And so we hold on to stories that we believe are true, that actually limit the joy, the abundance, the adventure, and the contribution that we can have in our lives just because of a story. I'm going to tell you a story now. Um, This is a story that most people have heard. The story is this. A man named Sylvester Stallone was an unknown actor until he wrote and starred in 
Rocky, Rocky One. It's a great story. But the even more inspiring story is the story about how Rocky got made. That Stallone was down and out, totally broke, living in a really, you know, depressing small apartment. He got this brilliant idea for this script. He wrote the entire first draft in uh, three days. And the story goes on that when he showed it around, uh, everyone was excited about it. And they certainly wanted to make the film in Hollywood. But then Stallone said, you can only make it if I'm in the lead. And they looked at him like he was nuts and said, it's impossible. Uh, We need somebody with star power. You're unknown. You know, names like James Caan came up. And he, as the story goes, kept holding out. They kept offering him more and more money. Remember, he was broke. And even though they kept, they offered him as much as $1 million. If he would not be in the lead, that he said, no, I walk away from this. And... It only is a go if I'm the person playing Rocky and that they eventually gave in. Part of what makes the story even more poignant is that he, uh, in order to survive and pay his rent and meet his bills, he had to sell his dog, the one precious animal pet that he owned and he loved. The story goes on that then later on he became when he got successful and made money that he went and he found the dog and bought it back for a a huge amount of money. And all of that tugs at our emotions. Here's the thing. Mr. Gabe Sumner, former head of marketing for that movie, tells us 30 years later, the story worked, but it was not true. It wasn't true. It was a marketing story that helped to sell the movie and that Stallone understood the power of it and he got behind it. Because it was like the Rocky story with the additional emotional power behind it that it was quote-unquote true. We love that. It was the Rocky story. It's about an underdog who stuck to his guns and to his dream, and then he wins. We love that. That's the essence of the American dream. The truth of the matter is that they did love his script. They had no problem with him playing the role because their budget was low. The entire budget was a million dollars. And so they said, you know what? We can gamble. We'll pay him. I think they paid him something like $10,000 and then, I don't know, maybe $600 and change a month. I'm sorry, a week to be in the film. But what really helped to make him rich is that in the contract, there was a clause that when the film began to make money, that he would get a percentage of the profits. And he's earned, I believe, upwards of $225 million because of that. 
But the point is that he was, that the producers were okay with him doing the film. When I learned that the other day, you know, I wasn't, I think I was, I was both momentarily disappointed because a favorite myth of mine had been burst, exploded. At the same time, I kind of felt great because it reinforced the power of story. The power of story to touch people's emotions and influence their behavior. Now, in the case of the story about residual income, if you are one of those people who struggle for money and you even resent people who seem to have a lot of money and it seems like it comes to them easily, but you won't go beyond the models that you've been taught to earn money. I'm not telling you that you should become a network marketer. It's not for everybody. Not everybody will take to it, but certainly be willing to explore the possibility if someone close to you offers it. Have you ever turned it down because you believed it was shady, that only a few people at the top make the money, which is absolutely not true? That is absolutely true in the corporate environment. That pyramid scheme holds true because if you're the CEO of a big successful corporation and you earn seven figures a year and you have someone working for you who is an employee, a great employee who earns six figures a year, and that employee, let's say you're the employee, you're not the CEO, and you work harder and harder and do a brilliant job, extra hard, you may earn some extra money that year, but can you earn as much as the CEO? Never. Well, I wouldn't say never. There's only one way. You've got to take the CEO's job. You've got to become the CEO. That is the only way for, in that model, for the person at the, so the person at the top in that model will always earn more. But it's not true in network marketing. Fine. So, residual income. It's interesting that when people turn an opportunity down, without questioning, an opportunity like earning exponential income. When they turn it down, not based on their knowledge, on their own research, but because they bought into a story, they're actually defending, and especially if they're struggling, if they're struggling financially, they're actually defending their own captors because they are living as slaves to a system that they may not, that may keep them up at night, that creates anxiety, that limits their choices in life, but they defend it without even knowing it. You see, the reason that I'm harping on this right now, once again, I'm not telling you to become a network marketer, is because in my previous episode, I talked about the singularity and the explosion of digital technology and how that story is changing the story of your world. 
And one of the big, big factors, one of the major stories that's going to be radically disrupted and transformed is the story of money, how we earn money. The old model that most of us have been brainwashed in. Go to school, get a great higher education if possible, so that you can become a respectable, high-earning member of society with a great job. That is a story that is losing ground, that is crumbling, and will and it'll be completely replaced in the decades to come. Jobs, as you and I know them, will disappear, and new ways of making money will come to the forefront. And what I see happening right now is that the linear model of earning money is losing ground quickly, is barely helping people to pay their bills, and that the one that's gaining ground, if you have the imagination, the trust, the courage to embrace it, is the exponential model where you can create an unlimited income that continues to grow and rewards you over and over and over again and actually makes your dreams possible. That's a story that people will either embrace or they won't. Where do you stand on that? The world is changing Bob Dylan was so great. He kind of prefigured all of these things and songs like the times they are a changing, you know. You got to admit that the waters around you have grown. You know, and if you can't, um, you know, you'll soon be drenched to the bone if you can't get on, you know, with the if you can't help to advance the story then just get out of the way, etc. I'm paraphrasing his great song. Think about this during the next week. Is there a story that's limiting your life that you defend just habitually without really having all the facts? doesn't have to be the one about residual income, but maybe it is because the income story is powerful. When people say, ah, money's not important to me, mm-hmm. they're in denial. You can't take a step out of your house. You can't do anything without your actions being influenced in some way, shape, or form by money. And no, I'm not saying that you cannot be happy without it. But happiness is definitely, if you have the happiness mindset, you'll be much happier with money than without. And when you say money is not important, my answer would be, okay. But it is right up there with oxygen. So, look at the stories that are limiting you and take a leap. Be willing to challenge them. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.